Good morning, church. How about that God story? I'm so proud of Connie for sharing her story. I love that we serve an intentional God. He is so faithful. He's so intentional to meet us exactly where we are. And so I just encourage you, sign up and get connected and do life with other people. It's so important. We have connect group signups this week, next week. When you leave service, you'll see the tables out there. You'll see our leaders there. Go and ask some questions and scan the QR code and find a place to connect because you belong here. You belong in the family of God. Hey, I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. If you are wondering where in the world is Pastor Jonathan, he is actually preaching today in Mexico, but he will be back next Sunday. He's excited to be back next week to share the word. So if you're visiting with us and you have not heard him preach yet, um, I may be a little biased because I'm his wife, but I believe that he brings an amazing word. And I just wanna encourage you to come back um, to hear him share the word. But I'm excited that I get to share with you this morning. I feel like God has something that he wants to deposit into our hearts. So let's just go before him because this really is all about him. It's not about me. It's all about him. It's all about his word. So let's just go to the Lord. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. God, I thank you for every person that's in this room, every person that's watching online. God, I thank you that you want to meet us exactly where we are. You want words of life to seep into our hearts and to forever change us. So God, we just lay every distraction aside. We ask you to have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So maybe you've heard of a guy named Kevin Plank. Kevin Plank was a special teams football captain at the University of Maryland, and he was very tired of constantly sweating through his t-shirt every practice. And he noticed that the compression shorts that he was wearing, they didn't sweat like his t-shirts did. Now I have a husband who sweats a ton when he works out. Literally, I have a hilarious story for you. One day, Jonathan and I were working out. He's not here, so I can share stuff about him while he's not here. And he can't say anything. And Jonathan and I were running side by side on two different treadmills. And Jonathan sweats more than anybody I've ever seen when he works out. And he got off the treadmill and there was like a puddle on his treadmill. And a guy came in and Jonathan had gone over to the weight bench. You know, I'm still running. And I look over at this guy and he is looking at this treadmill and he's looking up at the ceiling and he's like, he thinks that something's leaking from the ceiling. And I start to realize and I'm embarrassed. I'm like, I'm just going to keep running. And he's looking around. He, he wants me to look at him and I won't look at him. I'm like, nope, I am not outing my husband. And Jonathan's over at the weight bench where now there is a puddle of sweat. And finally, the guy connects it. He looks over, he sees the weight bench and he looks at the treadmill and he was disgusted. And I didn't let him know that I was married to Jonathan in that moment. But seriously, this guy had a vision. Kevin had a vision and he believed in it and he was willing to risk everything for it. I wonder if we are willing to risk everything for what Jesus has done for us to share that with somebody else. Because when you look at his story, it's remarkable. He started selling these shirts out of the trunk of his car. He couldn't even afford to have an office space. So he used his grandmother's house as like his office space. And he ended up reaching out to some teammates because today we're gonna talk about how we need each other. 
together. And he didn't do it all on his own. He needed some teammates in his life. So he sent these shirts to some of his friends who were now NFL players and the product worked and they loved the product. And you may know of this company, it's called Under Armour. And it's remarkable that he decided to go all in. And so Under Armour became a successful company. And 20 years ago, they launched this slogan. Maybe you've heard of it, protect this house. It's the title of this message today, protect this house. And this slogan resonated with athletes. It meant that you were gonna protect your team, that you were gonna protect your teammates, your turf, your record, your integrity. And so now 20 years later, they've relaunched it. I love it. My guy, Steph Curry, because I'm a huge Steph Curry fan. He's out promoting this campaign of protecting your house. But I believe there's something that we can learn in the spiritual world about protecting our house. This mentality of team over everything. They were willing to take everything out and leave it on the field. And I wonder in our lives if we're willing to do that for each other, for the gospel. God has called you to be a protector. If you're following Jesus, you're called to protect some things in your life. And so I want to talk with you about a few things that you're called to protect. The first thing is you have to protect yourself. And you may think, well, that sounds very selfish, but it's just kind of like when you get on an airplane and they go over the safety rules, right? What do they tell you to do first? Put the oxygen mask on yourself first so that you can help someone else. When you say yes to Jesus, there's something that has been deposited in your life. Scripture talks about this deposit. First Timothy 6.20, Paul was such a great father in the faith. He was passionate about the gospel and he's talking to Timothy and this is what he tells him. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. Avoid God godless, foolish discussion with those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. This is pretty remarkable that literally by listening to certain conversations, you can start to change your mind about the truth of God's word. And this is the reality that we live in every day. And God has called you to protect yourself. Another scripture, Proverbs 4.23, what does it say? Guard your heart. It doesn't say guard your friend's heart, guard your spouse's heart. It says guard your heart. You are responsible for what God has entrusted to you for it determines the course of your life. And so God is asking you to protect what you allow in. Now we're in church, so So God knows if you lie when I ask this question, right? Who in here is going to be honest, right? And say that you struggle with remembering to change your air filters in your house. Both hands raised. Literally, I looked at my husband last week and I said, babe, we have got to change the air filters. In our house, it was like a double whammy. Not only were our air filters in our home bad, but also that indicator light was on my refrigerator, that the air filter on my refrigerator needed to be changed. And I think if we're being honest, we're like, really? Do I really need to do these things? But in reality, if we don't filter things out of our lives regularly, there's a breakdown. There's a breakdown that happens. When you don't change an air filter in your house, contaminants start to stick to that filter. Airflow doesn't happen properly. This is what happens in your Christian walk. When you're not regularly hearing from God about who he says you are, about what his purpose is for your life, other things start to stick. Bitterness, unforgiveness, right? Resentment, sin. Things don't filter out like they need to. And then there's poor temperature regulation that happens too. 
right? You ever been in a place where you just feel heated all the time, where you feel aggravated? You need to get in a place, in a space, and meet with Jesus because our temperature has to be regulated. We can't be a good teammate to somebody else if we don't learn how to protect ourselves in those ways. So you have to protect yourself because that verse in 1 Timothy, when it talks about what's been entrusted to you, that's a deposit. That is literally the gospel. When you say yes to a relationship with Jesus, when you say a salvation prayer, something is deposited in that moment in your life. And the world thinks that when we get something valuable, we keep it to ourselves. But we live in an upside down kingdom, right? The kingdom of heaven does things very differently. We're not supposed to just keep what we received to ourselves. It says literally that entrusted is property entrusted to another one who then takes responsibility for it. So God deposits this good news into your life and then you have to take it and you have to take responsibility for it. And I love that Paul understood what it meant to take responsibility for the gospel. Paul lived every single day of his life like it was game day. Any football fans out there? You love football? Game day is coming. What if we lived every day like it was game day? What if we lived every day like we're going to put it all out there on the field and we're going to honor God and we're going to reach people and we're going to love them? And this is what Paul did. Paul was an incredible teammate. He knew how to recognize that fighting in the kingdom of God looked very differently than what fighting in the world looked like. And God had to transform some things in him for that to happen in his life. I think one of our biggest mistakes is that we don't know how to properly fight. We use the wrong weapons, and when we get the wrong result, we're frustrated. And in reality, God is asking us to stay on mission. Stay on mission to what I've called you to do. See, Paul understood what it meant to stay on mission. This is what he says in Acts 20, 24. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. See, I love that Paul knew how to carry the gospel properly. Y'all know that I love my object lessons, so I brought them today. I'm gonna show you, a lot of times, I think we wanna be backpack Christians. We wanna put the gospel in our backpack and we wanna carry it behind us. And if we can get to it in our day, it's there and we have access to it, but it's not in front of us. It's not what is right in front of us. And in reality, Paul understood that the gospel had to be in front of him. The fanny pack. Right? Either you love it, or you hate it. But in reality, the gospel is something that you're supposed to carry in your life, close to your heart, in front of you, front and center. And we need to be Christians who are willing to carry the gospel in front of us in everything that we do, in the way that we love people, in the way that we talk, in the way that we respond. You know, my husband got a fanny pack a couple months ago. Man, he's gonna kill me for telling y'all this stuff. And if I'm being honest, I, I struggled with that. I stayed a few steps behind him when we were walking at the outlets because I didn't want to be seen with him with his fanny pack. He calls it his man bag. He literally has one every Sunday. He takes it between the campuses. It's his man bag. And in reality, people probably look at that and they think it's odd. People will look at your life. It is odd a little bit. I mean, it's cool for me to rock the fanny. 
I don't know. But in reality, people will look at you and think, I don't understand why that person lives their life that way. When they haven't been touched by Jesus, by the hope of who he is, they may not understand why you do life the way that you do. It doesn't mean that you need to treat them badly. It doesn't mean that you need to ostracize them. You should love them, but you should stay on mission. I'm taking it off. That's weird to keep it on. We need to be fanny pack Christians, carrying the gospel ahead of us in all that we do. And Paul knew how to carry the gospel properly. I want to talk with you for a few minutes in Acts chapter 19. And I'm looking at this clock and I'm telling it, give me more time. Give me more time. And Acts 19, Paul, he's on mission. He's preaching the gospel and he's going to Ephesus. And if you know anything about Ephesus, it's modern day Turkey. Back then it was kind of like New York City. It was a hopping place. It had one of the seven wonders of the world, the temple of Artemis. The Romans called this goddess Diana, and they worshiped Diana. They gave their money to shrines and figurines to worship her. So this is a situation where Paul is stepping into some difficult scenarios. God is going to ask you to step into some places in your life where the territory is hostile And I love that he knew the way he should fight in those situations. It says in verse eight that he went to the synagogue and he preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. Whenever you see the way in scripture, this is all about the fact that we can only have salvation through Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And in reality, we're fighting the same battle today. People will try to talk with you and say that you can find salvation in other ways, but you can only find it through Jesus Christ. He is the only way. He's the hope of the world. And so what was happening years ago is happening today. And so people started to be stubborn. They hardened their heart to receive the gospel. And, you know, I think we would think that Paul would just take out his boxing gloves and stay in that location and stay with those people and try and fight it out with them. How many of you, if you're being real, there's moments where you just want to fight it out. You forget why you're even fighting, but you just want to win. That's me and a lot of arguments with my husband. I want to win. But Paul knew that that was not the weapon of choice that he should fight with. And it says that he left the synagogue and he took the believers with him. And then he held daily discussions at a lecture hall for two years. He took the right people with him. See, you got to know when to move and who to take with you. You got to know when it's time to move because the mission for Paul was that I'm here to preach the gospel to as many people as I possibly can because there are people that actually want to hear and receive. Some will not receive, but there are many that want to hear and receive. And he could have wasted all of his time trying to fight in the ring with those stubborn people, but he moved on. Come on, where in your life are you trying to get somebody to understand your point of view, to believe what you believe, and you've been exhausted fighting when God's saying that's not the mission here. It's not the mission. Paul knew what his mission was. Sometimes instead of fighting back, you've got to move out. You got to move out. And so Paul invested in these people. Their lives were being changed by the gospel. It's incredible to watch the gospel do what it was intended to do. And this was happening in Ephesus. And then there's a snag, right? Because we all know that life is full of ups 
and downs. And it says in verse 23 that at about that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way, right? Concerning people believing that Jesus was the way. And so I want to talk with you for a few minutes about what happened. There was a guy named Demetrius. He was a silversmith in Ephesus. He had a large business manufacturing these silver shrines. And naturally what happened is as people's lives were changed by Jesus, they stopped buying the figures of Diana. See, when Jesus steps into your life, your patterns, your behavior, your lifestyle starts to change. You don't know why, you don't even know what's happening, but he starts to clean things up in your life. And this is what was happening in Ephesus. And Demetrius was upset about this. And so he gathers a group of people, other people who were craftsmen as well. And he starts to say, Paul is responsible for this. He tries to act like it's not about the fact that he's not making money. He thinks he's clever, but in reality, it was so much about that. He acts like like he's concerned that Diana will be robbed of her great prestige. And I want you to understand that when you entertain and listen to the wrong voice, it will result in confusion in your life. I wanna spend a few minutes talking to you about the danger of confusion in your life because there's a breakdown that happens in this passage of scripture that is remarkable and it happens very quickly. Demetrius has this conversation and all of a sudden it says that their anger boiled and they began shouting, great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. These people whose lives had been changed, had been transformed by Jesus are now back to worshiping this goddess who's not real, who's kept them in bondage. It happened so quickly. Remember what Paul said, don't listen to foolish talk. They listened and they engaged. And the scripture says that the entire city was filled with confusion. See, a, a few strategic words by the wrong person at the right time can cause a major issue of confusion in your life. And this started to happen. Eve heard the wrong voice in the garden. She knew what God had said about that tree. But when she heard the voice of the serpent, confusion started to happen. And so we see this breakdown of the danger of confusion. Confusion will make you think that you have to isolate yourself, that you don't need to be on a team, that you don't need a church community, that you can do this by yourself. The enemy loves to isolate us. And confusion will lead to rash decisions. If you look at what happened next in scripture, it literally, says that they rushed to the amphitheater. They were dragging two of Paul's companions, these innocent guys that were there to share the gospel. They start dragging them into the amphitheater. They are so angry. And my husband has always told me something. He said, don't make a decision when you're bad, sad, or mad. He tells our team this, he tells our kids this, because in reality, you will regret that decision. Rash decisions come when you feel confused. And in this moment, they felt very confused. And so now they're dragging these two guys who have nothing to do with what they're saying. They're innocent, they haven't harmed anyone, they haven't committed any crime, and here they are. And after you make some rash decisions, what confusion does to you? is it leads to lack of purpose. And man, this is where the enemy wants you to be. 
It says in verse 32 that inside this amphitheater, the people were shouting. Some were shouting one thing, some were shouting another thing. Everything was in confusion. In fact, most of them didn't even know why they were there. They had no idea what their purpose was, why they were there. This is what the enemy wants to do in your life. He wants you to forget. He wants you to have spiritual amnesia to the goodness of God, to the purpose of God in your life and forget who he's called you to be. Confusion will lead to lack of purpose. And then before you know it, confusion starts to cause a riot in your heart. This is what ended up happening in Ephesus, a massive riot out of control. No one even knew at this point what they were doing. And the enemy wants you not to guard your heart and a riot to start happening inside your heart. Well, God, I don't really know if you said for me to do this. Are you really real? Is this really important for me to honor your word here? You see how it starts? A small voice. And then all of a sudden we start to make decisions and we forget who we are called to be. I was you know, on social media, and I saw this quote by Jackie Hill Perry. Maybe you saw it this week. It was so impactful to me. She said, it's as if we believe our lives must be easy for our inner reality to be steady. But who told us that the quality of our circumstances should determine the stability of our hearts? Come on, the quality of your circumstances, what you're walking through right now does not have to determine the stability of your heart. You serve a God who is there to keep you steady no matter what. And I know that I am at fault for this so many times in my life. My circumstances determine the steadiness of my heart. And God's saying, they don't get to do that because I'm faithful no matter what you face in your life. I'm faithful. And Paul knew that in order for us to be good teammates, that our stability had to be found in him alone first. And so he's talking to the church in Corinth. And he literally says to them, for you seem to gladly tolerate anyone who comes to you preaching the suedo Jesus, not the Jesus we have preached. You've accepted a spirit and a gospel that is false rather than the spirit and the gospel you once embraced. How tolerant you have become of these imposters. These imposters, he's literally saying you believed, you received the gospel and now people are stepping in on your journey and they're telling you that you should look at the word of God differently. They're telling you that you should look at it in a different light. And see, this is what it is about protecting the house, right? Because you are called to be a protector and that could be yourself first. If you have a family, it's your family and then it's your spouse and then it's your church community. We have to protect the integrity of the gospel because the world is wanting us to listen and make changes. And so it's interesting to me, an imposter, the enemy comes with a distorted voice. You know, I wanna tell you a story and you may think this is funny and not a big deal, but for me, this was like one of the most serious moments of my life because growing up, I had an intense fear of sleeping by myself. I was afraid that someone was going to abduct me. I don't know really much of where it came from. There was a situation at my grandparents' house when I was little where someone broke into their house and it was just like the enemy planted this fear in me and my parents had to walk through this journey with me. I hated to stay by myself. And so I'm a mom, I have two kids. Bella was little at the time and Jonathan was going on a trip, a ministry trip and I decided I'm going to face this fear. 
God, you're gonna give me freedom over this fear and I'm going to stay home by myself. And I was so proud of myself because I made the decision to stay home. And I remember laying down that night and just feeling peaceful and thankful that I had, you know, just faced this fear. And in the middle of the night, my phone rang, my cell phone, and I answered it. And when I answered it, the person on the other end of the phone, their voice was distorted. Like they used like a distortion box. And they said, were you sleeping? Did I wake you up? in a very freaky, very scary voice. And I cannot tell you the amount of fear in that moment that came into me. I was so sure that someone was outside of my house, that something terrible was going to happen. Everything, every rational thought left me because I was so fearful and the enemy knew exactly the buttons to push in my life. Can I tell you the enemy knows exactly the buttons to push in your life? And so I, I hang up the phone and I call my teammate. My sister lived two doors down from me, right? Because we need each other. I wasn't gonna do this alone. And I called my sister and I said, help, get over here right now. And my sister came running over, literally out of bed, her and her husband. As I'm talking to her, the phone rings again, they beep in. I don't know why I answered the call. Don't answer the call of the enemy the second time. Hit the ignore button, but I answered person says the exact same thing to me. By this point, I am terrified. My sister's in my house at this point. She looks at my phone. I didn't even notice this. She noticed that the number was on the phone. They didn't block the number. So she, she said, I'm calling mom right now. And if you know my mom, she's on the front row, Mama Joe. you don't mess with Mama Joe and you don't mess with Mama Joe's kids. My mom was not afraid at all to call that number, to let that person know, what are you doing messing with my kid? She literally said, I'm two seconds from calling the police if you do not explain yourself. And here's what I wanna tell you. You serve a God that knows the enemy's number in your life, that is gonna call him out and say, that's my kid. Get your hands off of my kid. And all of a sudden, this kid says, I'm so sorry, and we bought this on the internet, and it changes the voice. We thought it'd be funny. We thought that this was my friend's ex-girlfriend. We thought it'd be funny. I don't know if he was telling the truth, if I was in some sort of real danger, or if he really was telling the truth, but what I know is that the enemy was strategic in that moment to try and get me to walk back into a place of fear. And he will constantly try to come at you and press your buttons. But you remember that the God you serve knows your name and he has the enemy's number. You remember because the right voice spoken at the right time, it reveals purpose. And this is what happened in Paul's life. Paul, who was able to discern so much in that moment when his friends were dragged into the amphitheater, he wanted to go. He wanted to go and protect them and help them. And he had friends in his life that literally begged him, do not go. They actually, even some of them wrote letters and said, please don't go because they understood the mission. See, they were taught by a good teacher and they understood the mission. And this is what the community of faith is like. This is what the house of God is like. When you're in a good place, you can love somebody else and you can be there for them and you can share with them. And then when you're having trouble, they can be there for you. And his friends in that moment were there for him and told him, don't go. And he obeyed the right voice. Paul knew the voice of God. 
When he was on the road to Damascus, right? He was Saul. He was a completely different person. He heard the voice of the Lord and it changed everything in his life. Maybe you're here today and you have been listening to the wrong voice for a long time. Can I tell you that the voice of the Lord, the right voice speaks purpose over you today? Whatever your natural circumstances look like today, the voice of the Lord speaks purpose into your life right now. And you have to make a decision to protect the house. Hey, I'm gonna protect myself. I'm gonna protect those around me. I'm gonna encourage them. Encouragement is a powerful weapon. Paul knew how to encourage. To encourage someone truly isn't just patting them on the back and saying, hey, you can go your own way, but you know, that might not be great. No, encouragement isn't just about flowery words. It's to implore, it's to urge someone toward the right purpose. And I love that Paul knew how to use encouragement as a weapon in his life. He encouraged people everywhere he went on his journeys. You can see in scripture that he encouraged them but he reminded them of their purpose in his encouragement. Hey, stay on guard, he says to the elders. After this uproar, Paul was such a good teammate. He knew that the people would be shaken by everything that happened that day in Ephesus. He calls the believers to him. And it says in Acts 21 that he encouraged them. He called a team huddle. He knew when to call the team huddle. We need to know when to call the team huddle. If you're married, you need to know when to call the team huddle with your spouse, with your kids, with people in church that maybe you've had a situation with. Know when to call the team huddle and respond. Be an encourager, protect the house. God has given us so much, entrusted so much in us. We need to live every day like it's game day. We need to be like the honeybee. Paul was like a honeybee. Honeybees protect the hive and they go out and they gather this resin and it's called propolis. I actually use this literally. I'm not advertising you to use it. I'm just saying I do. And it helps build immunities. Propolis means defense of the city. And bees, they take this resin back and they create this substance and they take their hive and they close out all the areas where intruders can get in. They are meticulous about the structure being set. See, God wants his house to be a place that's healthy, where we're gonna love each other right, where we're gonna be there for each other in the right way. He wants us to be like honeybees. And they carried this propolis on their hind legs back to the hive. And then they work as a team to make sure that things don't affect the hive. Who's God calling you to protect in this season? Wherever you are today, I just want you to close your eyes. You know what I love about Jesus? That he meets us exactly where we are. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I, I, I gotta learn how to protect myself better. I've gotta learn to filter some things out, some mindsets, some unhealthy people, some things that are causing me to be off track. Or maybe you're here and you say, I gotta learn how to be a better teammate. God, I need to treat those that you've placed in my life with greater love. I need to love them more. And I love 
that God is just always concerned about where we are in relation to him. In the garden, when Adam and Eve had disobeyed, God asked them a question, where are you? He didn't ask them that question because he didn't know where they were. He wanted them to understand that he was concerned about where they were in relation to him. And this morning, God is asking the question, where are you in relation to him? And if you're here this morning and you've never said yes to a real relationship with Jesus, where you're really following him, today is your day. And we're gonna say a prayer as a church. We say this every single week because we never wanna miss an opportunity for the gospel to be shared. And so as a church, let's say this together. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I will serve you and follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. With your eyes closed, if you said that prayer this morning, will you just raise your hand for a minute? You do not need to be ashamed of the gospel. Thank you. Someone from our team has a Bible for you. Thank you so much. God is for you. God is for you. It's awesome. There's nothing like people saying yes to Jesus. I wanna ask our prayer team to come forward right now. Maybe you're here. You need someone to pray for you. Hold up your hands, encourage you. God wants to meet you right here. Protect the house, protect yourself, protect your teammates. What God has entrusted to you, share with others.